the other day, Maggie and Di were here. It's kind of funny that they're both not hiding, but right way back at the back of the sanctuary right now because of their greeting duties. Thank you for all you two do around here. I'll just mark that you two were both here on Christmas morning, Sunday as well. Um, but the other day during the week, Maggie and Di were here, and they were taking down all the beautiful Christmas decorations that were up here, which were so lovely. And they decided to leave a few of them up, as you can see, so they said the change would not be too abrupt from Christmas till to afterwards. And that made me glad. I love Christmas. I love the story and the singing and the celebration, those carols that we only sing once a year. And just as much, I love the quieter days that follow. And this simple beauty that we have before us now, it seems to me a lovely symbol of the invitation of these January days, which is this, to ask ourselves, how do we intend to carry forward the spirit of Christmas? and the other holy days of December. How do we intend to carry them with us into this new year? How will we bring that spirit of light shining in the darkness, that spirit of hope and courage in a time of fear, that spirit of love breaking into our world? How will we bring these spirits into the days ahead? How are we going to help keep alive this spirit, not just at Christmas, but all the year round? And isn't this why Howard Thurman's words resonate? Because they speak to this very pivotal moment. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. The work of these days Howard Thurman is saying, is to take that love that Christmas stirs up in us and make it tangible and real. To put that love into action, to let it animate our lives so that it guides our hands and our feet. If you were to ask me to sum up in a couple of words, what is this work of Christmas I would say it's the building of beloved community, which just so happens to be our worship theme for this month of January, for which we have Tori to thank. She's with our junior youth this morning, so I can't, she can't hear me saying how grateful I am for everything she brings to our congregation. Several months ago, Tori and I were talking, we were doing some planning 
daring to look after Christmas into what came next. And it was she who suggested this theme of beloved community. And she said she was specifically thinking of beloved community as articulated by Martin Luther King Jr. as the work for civil rights and against racism, the shaping of our society toward more justice and more reconciliation and away from hatred and division and violence. Though he didn't invent the name Beloved Community, it was Reverend Dr. King whose ministry and witness shaped and expanded that vision. And he certainly popularized that idea. He was transformed by a pilgrimage he took to India back in 1959, and Martin and Coretta traveled there because they had been inspired by Mahatma Gandhi's nonviolent struggle for freedom from India's colonial oppressors. And the success of that movement, based on a spirit and a practice of nonviolent resistance, this directly informed King's transformational leadership of the American Civil Rights Movement. We heard this in his words a few minutes ago. The end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. It is this type of understanding and goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. It is this love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of men. Can you hear the depth of spirit in these words and in Howard Thurman's words too? They are talking about a transformation of the heart that opens us up to different ways of seeing and thinking beyond the dualities that so often divide us. They invite us into a more healthy and more holistic view in which all are connected, all are worthy of love and care. As some of our leaders have said, in which nobody is left behind. This is a vision which celebrates difference rather than being threatened by it. And it is a huge transformation of the heart and of our culture that they are talking about. And it is sorely needed these days, isn't it? Building the beloved community is a big project. It's not going to happen overnight. It is going to take lots of time and effort and persistence. And isn't it what's needed, not just in our country, but around the globe, to help heal and bless our big and diverse and interconnected world? How else are we going to get along and work through our problems unless we start to see one another as siblings and kin, not so much as competitors, or if they have something, then that means I have less. 
as the lovely politician from Lowell, Paul Songus, used to say, we may have come here in different ships, but we're all in the same boat now. The good news is, one piece of the good news is that you already know something about this work. These days I keep hearing from folks telling me about how caring and loving you all in this congregation are. All the ways that you reach out to one another, especially when someone is hurting or in need. I love how open-hearted and generous you are, how that spirit lives in this congregation, and I noticed it early on in my time here. And it is this spirit which has helped us come through the last couple of years as well as we have, I believe. It's this spirit which has kept us together in trying times. We have this solid foundation here of being a welcoming and caring faith community that we've been building on for some years now. And another part of that foundation is the intentional work we've been doing around racism and other kinds of oppression, learning how to build relationships across difference, how to use our privilege to be a force for good in the wider world. And we're getting something of a reputation in the community outside our doors for this good work, for showing up, for walking the talk of justice. So the time is ripe, isn't it? In this month when we remember the life and ministry of Martin Luther King Jr. and others who were on the front lines of the struggle for civil rights, the time is ripe for us to take the next steps in building the beloved community that they called for. Of course, we won't all do this in the same way, which is why we need a community for this kind of transformative work. Some of us will be more actively out there, showing up and speaking out. Others of us will be making different kinds of contributions, teaching and learning, building friendships, writing letters, sending money, lending a helping hand. And for all of us, the building of beloved community will require a stretching of our hearts and of our minds because we have grown up and we have been formed in a culture that has taught us to see difference as threatening to imagine that there are always going to be winners and losers rather than seeing everyone as siblings and kin and everyone having a place at the table. We've been taught, haven't we, to see violence as a at least somewhat acceptable way of solving problems. But all around us we now see, and haven't we seen this for a long time, that this kind of distrust and this kind of division is the road to ruin. The end is reconciliation, Martin Luther King said. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends, 
It is this type of understanding and goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. It is this love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of men, in the hearts of all people, we would say now in the 21st century. On Christmas Eve here, we shared the light from our chalice flame, from one candle to another to another, until everyone was holding a light. The invitation of that holy moment is to carry out with us the love that we felt in our midst, to remember how we shared the light, how it can spread from one to another until all were being blessed by its glow. To see that as a symbol for how we might live our lives in these January days and in the days that follow them. To remember that we each have been given a light. It's not all the same light. We have our own unique light. But we are each called to let our light shine. To remember that we are here to share our light and our love as widely and as extravagantly as we can in the days that we are here. This is the work that lies before us, to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart, to lift up our hearts and lift up our light and let it shine and let it shine and let it shine. Amen.